Today, we explore balancing heart and mind, science and spirit, all in the heart of agricultural Texas, USA. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz here with a brand new conscious conversation on exploring possibilities. We're broadcasting on journeyofpossibilities.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube slash Cheryl Sitz. And we will chat with Lisette Templin right after a quick word with Mario Rosales. Mario, we've been doing this for a while. When did we start all of this? How long has this been going on? We've been here since 2012 on this podcast. And what do you guys think? Are you enjoying the content? How about you? Have you actually thought about doing one also? I know when I started with Cheryl, Cheryl was like, what in the world's a podcast? <laughs> and I thought it was an excellent way for her to get her message out. And I want to share this with you also. So if, if you want a podcast or if you've been contemplating what kind of message would you want to put out in a podcast? And I start you from the beginning, just like I started with Cheryl. So why not contact me at MarioRosales.net or at TechLifeBalance.net? Thank you so much. Lisette Templin is a teacher of Shungjin Meditation. I hope I said that right. It's a meditation path of unconditional love. She teaches people of all ages the art of meditation in motion and stillness with the vision of a loving, peaceful world. Her website is openskyhealthstudio.info, and she joins us seated here today with her beautiful energy. Welcome, Lisette. Oh, thank you for having me today. We've already been having a lot of fun visiting here. This is great. I appreciate you coming and doing this live. This is a rare treat. Oh, being in person, there's nothing like it for me. I, I love true. technology, but there's nothing like seeing, feeling, and sensing someone right in front of me. So it's great. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. I am so intrigued that you have found yourself in the heart of Texas, helping us bridge science and spirit, heart and mind in the way that you do with Texas A&M University and all the work that you're doing. To meet you by your appearance and your energy, I would think that you are not from here. Is that correct? No, no. I, I mean, I, um, I'm from Vietnam. We okay. uh, emigrated with my family of 18, three days before Saigon fell. So, uh, yes, we crossed the ocean uh, with the help of the U.S. Marine, um, flying um, on a C-131 across to Guam. Stayed in Guam for a month to get our shots and get processed. And then they flew us all to Camp Pendleton, where we stayed and lived there for eight to ten weeks until we found um, sponsors for our family. So that's how we got here. And you were how old? Uh, I was 10 years old. Wow. I was 10 years old. So my Vietnamese is about uh, level third or fourth grade. So <laughs> English is better. <laughs> that's good. I don't have Vietnamese, unfortunately. But wow, what a journey for you. And at an age when you still probably bring some of that culture with you and definitely are blending cultures with the American ways. How is that for you? Oh, absolutely. I brought a lot of culture in me and I didn't know it at the time, but the older that I, I, I am now, the, I realize how much of who I am is so rooted in the Asian country, one of which is um, Buddhism. Yes. Yes. Now, what's funny about that is I went to a Catholic school um, in, in Vietnam, in Saigon, and my mother, my grandmother was a Buddhist nun. So it, it was a pivotal point at an early age to begin to see cross, um, 
across um, energy between religions. And the two can be compatible. It's Absolutely. so funny that I tell people that I have, that I embody a lot of the Buddhist principles in my life. And they're like, well, I can't do that because I'm Christian. The two can totally coexist. It did rather effortlessly for me, even though I, I wasn't sure, um, at least the rules and the regulations yeah. And that I had to learn what that's about. That was a little bit difficult. But, you know, the nuns, there were really kind nuns and there were ones that are yes. a little rougher. But that's just humans. Yes, exactly. And I think like everything else that we're exploring now in this pivotal time in Earth's history, it's about the blending and finding our own truth in all of these different schools of thought and the different the dogma and the rules, some of those may not apply for us personally. And so to take what all we've been exposed to and create our own truth out of that is a really powerful journey. Absolutely. You, you know, you're, you're given a seed yes. and what do you do with that seed? You know, um, I, I, every day, as I remember, was a struggle um, after I've come here with, with my family, but that struggle now has been phenomenal. You know, um, that was all survival, but now I'm realizing that I don't have to be in the survival energy anymore. And now I get to thrive and then help others to cross that barrier of, of surviving to thriving. Yes. I think that's something we can all relate to and whatever our background is, we're all here healing some wounds and learning to go from surviving to thriving. And it's a real potential. Yes. It's very possible. So I guess where I'd like to go from here is kind of into Shungjin and how you felt guided to bring this to a very scientifically based community in, in Bryan College Station and Texas A&M and, and the nutrition work, all of that. How did that spark get started for you? Um, gosh, succumbing to stress. All my life, um, part of survival was to get out of the heart and into the mind for me. As long as I don't feel I can get up the next day and tackle anything and check off the box of success. So not feeling, which is, you know what? It's understandable. It's totally understandable. But then the mind gets to be on overdrive all the time. And what happened was the mind is moving so much faster than what the human body is capable of. And so it sent, it sent my body into a lot of stress and illness. Mm -hmm. And then my mother and my aunts are always telling me, you know, you're always in your head. You're always in your head. You know, Mrs. Well... I'm successful because I'm in my head. Right. <laughs> That's what we believe as Americans. That's yes. where the success is, is in my mind. Yes, yes. You know, I've got a master's degree. I work in a corporate architect's office. I am um, project architects. I, I, everything um, spells success for me. I own a photography studio. But the failure meter was recorded by my body where, yeah. um, you know, my immune system was acting up. Uh, I was losing so much weight. A lot of people who stress tend to gain weight. For me, um, disappearing seems mm. to be another survival mechanism. You know, just getting smaller and smaller. That was, was how I survived. 
Yeah. So the body, it really does show up in the body and it also shows up in our relationships, doesn't it? Success at what cost? If we all are ill at the doctor's offices all the time, taking pharmaceuticals and divorced. What, what is that for success? It's great to have all that money. And then what, if you don't have any health or loved ones to play with? Absolutely. But what's even now worse is I could handle it for me, but it was when it was affecting my children. Yes. That was my true wake up call. I thought, you know what? Um, get, get, get up, go to work. That's what people do. You know, if you don't, you're just kind of a pansy, right? Um, You're making excuses. And especially being from an Asian country, that is really, really critical to to always be productive. But once I saw that my children were always taking a hit with their health, um, that was my wake-up call to say, stop, something's wrong. So did that involve a move? to this new location? Did did everything, did you change geographically to make this change? How did you go from successful corporate mind-based woman to teaching meditation and unconditional love? What did that bridge look like for you? You know, um, nothing in life is clear or was planned out. And truly (laughs) the universe has everything to do with it. When I started to saying, help, I need help. I don't know what to do little things starts to happen. Um, When I was photographing um, a CEO um, from from one of the major hospitals um, in Clear Lake, that's where we lived in Houston, she said, you know, there's something about you that's very calming. What are you doing? I says, well, I started practicing um, Tai Chi with my meditation, you know, and that's what is is keeping me sane at this point in my (laughs) life. And she said, will you teach that to my doctors and nurses? And I says, no, because I don't know how to teach it. And I says, yes, you do, because whatever it is that you're doing or your being is calming me. So I need you to just make up a class and come to my <laughs> hospital and teach. <laughs> yes. And that was how the universe shoved me into um, this world. And I said, oh, my gosh. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Yes. And it was making a difference in somebody else's lives. And that was when I, I said, you know what? I think this is the universe way of saying I need to shift. One of my favorite all-time quotes is, be the change you want to see in the world. And we, we think, what can I do? What can I go and do that's going to make a difference in, the, in what I see in the world And literally, when we start to become the difference that we want to see for ourselves, the world starts to shift and people that we meet want what we've got. It's like, I want what you have. What are you doing? Exactly what you just said. Yes. And what people are wanting and I'm seeing more is balance. Yes, absolutely. They've never tasted it, but when they see someone else who has it, something opens up in their body that recognizes it. Yes. And there's so many different pathways to come to it. And I've not done a show strictly around meditation. I've talked to a couple of meditation people, but I love that this involves movement as well because there is a beauty to moving meditation. I've done some Tai Chi Chi, Tai Chi Chi. Tai Chi Chuan. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it is different to meditate while moving. It seems to 
be more beneficial to me as an extrovert to be able to move that energy while I'm meditating. So talk to me a little about Chung Jin and how does that work? Um, okay, so I'm going to use, I'm going to back up a little bit. So there's exercise, mm -hmm. there's moving meditation, and then there's meditation in motion. So there are three levels of awareness around the human body in motion. Exercise really comes from, a, to me, feels like comes from a place of not good enough. So it's the human body is forced to prove something. Yes. Um, the mind and the human body drives at all costs. And it wipes the human body out. It doesn't matter what you say, how good you are at some level, when it's being driven out of its equilibrium, out of compassion and love, it will break down. Mm -hmm. So I try not to use the word exercise in my work anymore because <laughs> it is a little bit um, painful for my body. And Tai Chi taught me to slow my mind down, slow the body down, make sure that the mind and the frequency of the body begins to match, then that's moving, um, uh, med moving meditation. Okay, but you're still using the mind to yes. move the body. Yes. So there's still a, um, a, an end result that you're looking for. So we, now that's still really good, though, because now you're beginning to be mindful of the body. Now take that to another quantum leap, which is meditation in motion. Now, this is where the mind, the heart, the breath, and life force called chi come into fruition that make it into meditation in motion. So now you put your body in a meditative state. Then the life force flows through the body. So the body does not belong to the mind and the mind does not belong to the body. It belongs to life force expressing through the entire vessel. It's, um, I guess the simplest um, uh, analogy would be a tree. And when the wind blows, the tree just allows the wind to blow and it moves according to the path of the wind. It doesn't resist. So finally, there's no exact pose that I've got to figure out how to get into while I'm trying to relax. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yay! laughs> Absolutely. Because that does pull me back out. If I'm, I, as much as I can get into someone, I, I, I actually told Mario, I'm going to have to practice this enough that all of these moves become instinctive to me so that I can truly meditate while I do it because I'm too busy trying to figure out where my hands need to be and what my to do Tai Chi, I think I would be more comfortable in something where my body can move where it wants to move when it wants to move. And I can just flow with my meditative energy, which sounds like what you're describing. Well, you know, Tai Chi, um, if it is not coupled with the practice of Chi, it's going to take a long time for you to get to that meditative state. Right. It all, it feels good. You feel balanced. The movements and in, inherent within the movements is that sense of beauty. And once the body feels a sense of beauty, it will relax and it will go into some form of meditation. But 
with Shongzhan, which falls into Qigong. Mm-hmm. We teach that the body, first and foremost, is a vessel that is designed to feel, to animate, to be life force, which is qi. So you see, you have to get to the ingredients first, then the product, in a sense. So the ingredients is qi. Mm-hmm. And so you have to feel chi because the, the body is designed to do that. Then the motion comes in. Whereas in Tai Chi, we learn the motion and hope that you feel chi. Right. And I, and I was struggling to balance the two. I was literally struggling because for me to connect with chi and get from this crazy busy life that I have into that space takes longer it's slower than what I was doing with the instructor trying to keep up with the Tai Chi moves and I don't know maybe somebody else experiences this when they try and slow down from a busy corporate life or whatever to do these kinds of practices it takes a a time of slowing down to reconnect to that flow of energy and then move and and if it's going too fast and there's it becomes like aerobics class like okay what's the instructor doing now and where am I supposed to be and what are my feet doing and I, I, can't, I don't have time to even think about where's my chi and, and it's hard to do so it sounds like this is kind of address that and the focus is on the life force energy first yes yes absolutely and we call that um getting into the shungjun state Shungjian means unconditional love, and the Shungjian state means get into the state where you feel very connected to the power and the life force of the earth, and the life force of the sky or the heaven or the universe, and know that you're a being who is standing above the earth, below the heaven, and the entire world is expressing through the body. So that's the Shungjian state. And then once you get into that state, the body flows with certain messages. So then it becomes a mantra. Mm. Yes. What a beautiful process. This sounds wonderful. Oh, it is. It, it was, it's magnificent. When I, when I bumped into it um, through my mother's guidance, I, I mean, my whole body just spoke like, you found it. There's no more looking. You found it. You're the perfect person to share this message about this style of meditation and unconditional love. And I think for many of us, I can't be the only one. Some of the deep healing work that I've done, all roads lead back to learning how to love ourselves and forgive ourselves and love and forgive others. And we do that through loving and forgiving ourselves. This is a beautiful style of doing that, it sounds like. I tell you that one of the hardest thing about healing is not just the emotional part, but the carrier of the emotions, which is the human body. Um, like I said, you know, part of my survival was to not feel. And when you don't feel, you not only negate the emotions, you negate the, the love of the human body. So this art introduces the beauty and the belonging of the human mm. body back into the healing process. Because I've seen people try to heal but not create a connection and an acknowledgement that all the stuff that is painful has been absorbed 
in the tissues, in the bones, in the cells. And to heal the emotions will also heal the cells, the bones, and the tissues. But at some level, you have to say, oh, my body, I like you. Yes. I like you a lot. And then, oh, I kind of love you. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes. So that we're not always trying to exercise and fit into a different body. The one that society thinks we ought to have. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, exactly. So when we move, the movement mimics nature. It's absolutely we become the waves and the wind. And then there's no judgment because everybody can be the wave and the wind, their own wave and their own wind. There's no measuring, you know, how far, how fast, how there's no number behind how waves and wind flow. Right. So that's, that's part of, of honoring the body. And with my students, even though they're young, they have that disconnection also. Yes. And it's a gift um, for me to do this work where I get to connect them um, early and to res- give a different place of respect uh, for their body. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of the first steps that we go through. It, ring, it brings a real balance to what is, in this particular case, an extremely mind-based, well, universities are mind-based anyway, but some universities also have more of a creative culture around them, and this is a science college that, that we're talking about that's, that's here. So bringing it to a place where it is all about science and the mind and saying, it doesn't have to be mind or body. It can be mind and body. It can be heart and mind. That, that ideally, we're not choosing the either or. We're saying and, and we're expanding to balance all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what's so phenomenal about all of this is that um, the old energy of only mind is still very active, but the upcoming energy that are saying, um, I think I see what you're saying, but it doesn't fit and I don't like it and I don't know what it is. And so the sign of rebellion is the signs of depression yeah. and suicide. Yes. That's how the students are rebelling. And they don't know that they're rebelling, but they are. Their body is rebelling. Oh, that's such a good point. And there is a lot of young suicide and depression and it gets, it doesn't get talked about because we, not in my community, we're not going to talk about that. We don't want to face those numbers. And in some of the most affluent communities in this state, it's the the biggest problem, but nobody's talking about it. We, we just want to pretend that it doesn't exist here. And, and it does. It does. It truly does. And I'm really proud of Texas A&M because they are doing a suicide awareness um, event on campus this October. Wonderful. Yes, yes. So, you know, um, it's a long way for the kids to, to understand that concept of loving yourself. Yeah. The mind does not understand that. But this is a new group of soul. Yes. That are on earth and they're seeking to understand it and they're not afraid of it. That was the first thing is that I, okay, that 
that actually makes sense. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's refreshing. I would say if you're listening to this and you don't have a young person in your life, connect with one soon. Get into that younger energy and see what's going on. Because like my kids are out in the world and, you know, some of us are the empty nester generation, but we can connect through our grandkids. We can connect through other kids in the neighborhood. It's really important, I think, for us to connect to this younger energy and recognize what's happening in the world because it gives such a refreshing look at tomorrow, what tomorrow could look like with these young people that are so wide open and receptive to, to more than we've had. They are so receptive that they will reject. So if we, we come in with a, here's, I think you should come into my box energy. It's going to take a lot of convincing for them to, to jump into that box. But if we come with, you know what, I, I don't have a box, but I have a bowl. Can we explore <laughs> this bowl together? You know, it's, a, it's round. There are no sharp corners. Um, they're much more receptive to that. Um, absolutely. Um, I love this generation, and I see more and more of it at Texas A&M. I have a young lady who is going into the Mays Business School, and she wants to go into healthcare. And um, she's doing an internship right now. And she said, this is not the health care that I want to do. This is, this is, it's actually making me uh, ill yeah. working in this situation. And so, you know, I, and I know her and I says, your energy is healing. You have healing energy. So it might be wise to explore that term and compare it with the health care that we offer now. You know, and, and the light bulb went off in her head. I says, I know, I get that. Yeah. You know, and she's 21. And I, I get really excited about the ones that actually want to be in both. They want to bring that bigger perspective to what we have as a current healthcare industry and say, we're going to expand this from the inside. We're going in and we're going to, that is wonderful because, you know, as somebody shared with me this week, we have some of the best diagnostics in the world right here. It's what we do with that information that gets a little scary, right? You absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, you know, most, I don't know about most, but in my world, people are not buying it anymore. Exactly. They're, they're saying, what's my alternative? Yes. 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 Absolutely. So, yeah, Mario's mom's a great example. You know, she goes to the doctor, finds out what's wrong with her, and then comes home and does all her little research. I mean, the curandera way, you know, I'm going to find my solution as naturally as possible. But thank you so much for these test results. Now I know what I'm dealing with and what I need to balance. And, and that's great. And, and I think the beauty of the word stress right now is the kids and the, everybody is saying, why am I so stressed out? And they're going to med school. They're, you know, and they're saying, this is not right. <laughs> this is not right. You know, yeah. so, so the call of stress is the signal that allows so many doors to open for people who do work like ours. Yes. And they're listening. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they were not listening. Right. Three years ago, five years ago, the door has opened. 
I would even say to take it further, because I've been steeped in this for the last few weeks in Western medicine through a relative and and other diagnoses and things that are going on around me. I also believe that's kind of true of all illness if we're awake enough to pay attention. Illness is the warning sign that maybe we want to do something different in our lives. And for so long, we've just gone and gotten the latest prescription or surgery or whatever and gone right back to work and I'll, I'll be back in two weeks, give me six weeks, whatever, and right back to all the things we did before. And now we're going, oh, okay, I'm sick. What what do I need to do different? Why am I sick? Illness is, is the body screaming, you're not listening to me, right? Exactly. And that's what I share, tell the kids, you know, you, you, you get a headache, you don't need to take an ibuprofen right away. You know, drink some water. Go for a walk in nature and see the headaches will go away. Maybe your head just needed some space. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's great. Yes, yes. And so I, I love the, the, the concept of um, the space between two thoughts. Yes. That really makes sense to them. They can visualize that. So um, that's what we do. There are three functions in Shung Jen. Um, one is to relax the body quiet the mind and open the heart and those are very doable training yes and i say i tell them all if you want a happy life here are three things relax your body quiet your mind open your heart then all the answers and everything you've ever wanted will come that's so true it is that's your medicine right there and the more we do that And then we put ourselves in environments where we notice ourselves moving out of that. It it just becomes less natural to be in an environment where we move away from that. We become better every day at saying, wait a minute, I got to go take care of myself. This doesn't feel normal anymore. I don't want this anymore. I want to be, not that we can all just run around. I mean, I guess we could all just walk around in peace and serenity. I understand stress happens, but it's so great when our body is immediate to say, this is not normal anymore. I'm going to take care of this today. I'm not going to let it build or wait. Yes. Yeah. But then, you know, stress and the ride becomes joyful. Yes. That's the difference. It's not that stress will, but then the word will change. Right. It'll be an adventure. Yes. Um, There's a movement we call traveling eastward across the ocean. And traveling eastward represents... Um, unification, purity, um, divinity, compassion, wholeness. The trip to that is pretty wavy. You know, there are lots of storms. But at some point, you quit bracing yourself and get smashed against the boat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at some point, you say, oh, wait a minute. Here comes an up wave. Here comes a down wave. Up wave, down wave. And then the sea calms. And then it's like, okay, another storm will come, but we know what to do. Let's gonna, this is going to be fun. Yeah. That's the truth. Not, not, life is not going to be less stressful because that'll be too boring. Right. <laughs> right. And we won't grow. So, yes. Love that. Yes. Let's talk about nutrition because that's a big part of who you are and what you represent and what you teach to young people. What is the role of nutrition and how does that play out for you in the work that you do? Um, The first, uh, my journey towards nutrition was when I was looking for a meditation path 
And the path that really resonated with me was um, Kuang Yin meditation. And I still practice that with my master, um, Supreme Master Ching Hai. And, and her first message was compassion is absolutely one of the highest frequency in the human heart. Yes. So she said, you don't have to follow this meditation path, but if you wish to do that, you must stop eating meat. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it, and it was so funny. My husband and I were in Venice and uh, for our honeymoon, and I looked at this pepperoni pizza that we got on the Piazza San Marcos, and I couldn't eat it. I just said, I, I just can't. And I pushed it to him. He ate it, and he says, oh, this won't last. That was 1993, and I never looked back. Wow. Yes. And so um, for me, food and compassion go hand in hand together. Food and compassion and the human body go hand in hand together. And so when we open the human heart and we unravel the heart, we unravel all the complicated, prickly emotions. And if we soften the heart, what we find is the higher frequency emotions that is in the heart, which is compassion, mercy, grace, forgiveness those are really high frequency emotions and and that's why opening the human heart is so critical not to be weak because those emotions are not weak at all they've just been covered by the really i'm going to use i like the word prickly mm-hmm. because all emotions are necessary you know anger is necessary um Resentment, guilt, all those are human emotions. But if we can unravel those, what we truly find are mercy, compassion, forgiveness. And that's why the heart-mind space has to come from compassion. Because we get to the human heart, and if we keep bumping against anger and resentment, then the mind's going to feed right off of that. And then it just spins us into a really unbalanced state. One of the things that I've noticed as you were talking is as I've moved into some of those higher emotions, I find that I'm just generally uncomfortable in them for very long. I haven't spent much time in them through the course of my life. Those are the ones that I closed down and moved away from earliest because I was, I was angry. I was, you know, abused. I was whatever. So I shut all that away. It can be interesting to try and become comfortable in those higher vibrations when they're still kind of new. And I noticed that I medicate myself to numbness with food sometimes, sugar and food, because I don't know what to do staying in that state all the time. Have you had people share that with you or any experience of that yourself? Uh, I tell you, compassion is really hard to, to maintain because the judgment mind pop in from all directions simultaneously. They don't just pop in from one clear direction. Judgment pops in from so many layers that pops you out of compassion. 
Well, and feeling the pain that the, that is that is bringing the compassion. I'm so empathic, and feeling the pain and feeling my compassion can be so uncomfortable for me. It's like okay, I just. I need to eat some sugar. I need to eat like the, I go straight for the, yeah. I've noticed that's what drives it. Now it used to be that I didn't want to feel my body because it had been hurt. Now it's really a discomfort with some of the emotions that I haven't spent a lot of time with in my life. Okay. So the remedy to that is chi. Chi is life force. My master always says, wherever there's chi, there's love. Okay, so now we're going to go back to talking energy now. So energy is still a very coarse level, and we feel energy through our emotions. The breath begins, if we slow down the breath, we be more aware of the breath, we'll be more aware of chi. When we relax the body, we get to say, oh my goodness, I feel life force. And when you feel life force, you start to what we call reverse engineer. Life force is, is, is more refined than energy. Chi is much, much more refined than the breath. Chi, where did chi come from? Chi gave birth to energy. Energy gives birth to emotions. And the emotions give birth to more the coarse materials. So if we start backtracking and reverse engineering that, we find chi, which is capable of being sensed by the human body because it's designed to do so. So then where did chi come from? Chi comes from unconditional love. So when we practice chi, we practice to be in the field of unconditional love and we use chi to unravel the heart. We don't use the mind to unravel the heart. We use the power of intention and the ability to play and, and allow chi to massage our body to heal the very difficult um, emotions. And then it unravels. It's like the heart has been, it's like my friend used the word concretion. It's like a block of concrete. And then if you allow chi to, to gently penetrate like silk or like a soft breeze. It caresses and starts to break up the concreteness, but not in a, in, in a forceful way, like a breeze, like a gentle hug. And then over time, the heart breaks open and what you find is true, true compassion. That's already within you. It's just been cemented over. So my work has taken me to, to into some of this, but then I, I find that I move in and out of it. So it sounds like this would be my daily practice to keep yes. it in my life every day. Okay, so now I got to move to Brian College Station. Oh, so <laughs> oh okay. This sounds wonderful. This really sounds like a beautiful process. It is. Yes, it is. And something that I hope is connecting with people that are similar to me in the sense that this culture doesn't present us with this information and this opportunity and this invitation. Our mainstream life in corporate America does not bring us 
this information. So that's why I love doing this podcast because it finds its way into all kinds of interesting hands and hearts and lives to be able to plant seeds where people can find what they didn't even know they were looking for. That's an answer for them. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? The beauty of this art is it, it touches everyone because if someone allows their body to feel chi, they will never forget it. It is such a, my, my teacher says it is so yummy. It is so <laughs> delicious that you will never forget it. And as you crave it, that is how your higher vibration is enticing you mm-hmm. to go back home. Yes. And so my young kids at A&M, they're ready. They're saying, help me. I I don't know what's out there, but what I feel is not who I am. So when they feel chi, they're all over it. It's it's like a candy store to them, and they love it. And it really has been effortless. This is my third year there, and I was quite um, 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 anxious. Oh, my gosh, you know, this. And I was telling myself all these stories you know, this is a Christian community, this is a conservative community, but there's this channeling in back of my head that says, no, this is a different group of soul. They're looking for a different space. And I had to keep reminding myself. And oh my gosh, that's the truth. It's the truth. They're ready. They are. I am. Yes. This is beautiful. I'm so glad that you came to be here in person today with us and share this beautiful message. And I like to wrap up my shows by asking guests if you have a parting thought that you want to leave the listener with today. Yes, my teacher taught me how to be strong, but not hard, be soft, but not weak. That has been my lifelong training. It's good. Yes. That's real good. Thank you for coming to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining us today and listening. Let us know what you think. You can reach out at info at journeyofpossibilities.com. And if you get something out of this show, we'd love for you to give us a little support so we can keep bringing it to you. And you can also do that at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. If you aren't able to do it financially, why not just hit hit the ratings on the show and rate us so other people will find us and they can discover chi for themselves too. And we will see you next week on Exploring Possibilities.